this is about you. The infinite you. The part of you that can't be seen, can't be smelled, touched, or tasted. But you know you feel it. Who you really are. In a world lost to confusion, a universe that's partly illusion, when we look for meaning, we often simply find more delusion. Ground your consciousness in the sounds of the universe, a podcast about your true omnipotence. There's a universe inside each of us, but our beliefs keep us constrained to the edges of what we can imagine. The Innerverse Podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garden and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all. Our lives. Welcome to the one within all to the innerverse coming at you from a stormy downpouring moon in Aquarius type of Sunday afternoon. I'm your host Chance and I'm excited and energized to see our stars align and synchronize today to transmit another powerful message that we can take with us on the next phase of our never ending journey. I mentioned the stars because today's guest is a powerful storyteller of the stellar charts and an awesome teacher of ancient astrological awareness. And I'm extremely grateful he's here with us today to help connect the dots of this great and mysterious universe. His name is Athan Chiminti, and he's the creator of Mastering the Zodiac, a YouTube channel and website that's a truly amazing resource for learning how to navigate your spaceship through the sea of consciousness that is our shared reality. Check out MasteringTheZodiac.com and his YouTube channel of the same name for consistent daily horoscope updates, courses in learning astrology for yourself, and the resources you'll need to become a starry-eyed expert in the as-above-so-below blueprint of the universe. Engaging with this powerful tradition can help you put a positive spin on your current struggles while illuminating the path forward for your infinite expansion process. And Mastering the Zodiac is probably the best virtual academy for learning sidereal astrology that I've ever seen online, and I highly recommend the sagely sidereal wisdom you'll find at Athens site, especially because the system he's innovating is based on the actual positions of the stars and planets and not limited to the permanently fixed-in-place version that most know about as Western tropical astrology. Freedom in life is always a measure of one's own self-mastery, and by graduating from the mainstream astrological viewpoint, one can begin to put all of these infinite energies and symbols in their proper place, which is inside your own inner verse. To be empowered by the recognition that you're not simply one card from the deck, but in fact you're the entire zodiac, because all is self. 
Now it's time to remember your personal breathing and grounding exercise as we tune our individual frequency out of the societal hypnosis and into cosmic wisdom gnosis, where we're all in harmony together within the flow state of all knowing. And I ask that you illuminate that third eye with a projection of loving appreciation towards our honored guest, Athan Chiminti, today as we bring him to the universe for his first manifestation here. He's the headmaster of the sidereal school who makes teaching astrology super cool, and he's connecting the arcs of the stars so that we can see the entire pie in the sky, and it's my extreme pleasure to be bringing him on the podcast, and it would be really cool if you guys went and followed his YouTube channel to get the daily updates that he's doing. Athen, my man, thanks for being here, and welcome to the Innerverse. Thanks a lot, Chance. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, I thank you for hitting me up to do this. I always love when someone comes to me because that means that we're doing that magnetic thing and attracting instead of like always on the quest. So I, right. I would like to start off by asking you, what's uh, tell us about yourself and then what led you to decide that astrology was more than just an interesting hobby. Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, I've always been into personal growth, personal development, and that's really what I see astrology is, is just a tool for that. Um, and so roughly about seven, eight years ago, had a pretty significant spiritual awakening, uh, really get on, got into meditation with Eckhart Tolle and, um, just had this like insane sense of presence one day and, um, everything just kind of hit me at once. So from that point forward, I became more and more open-minded to uh, different types of systems for uh, personal growth. And so before that, I was very, you know, very factual, very scientific. You had to really prove it. And if you would have asked me anything about astrology at that point, I would have totally like, you know, debated whoever brought it up or whatever, but that really opened my mind. And then since then I started to explore it. And then I, I found it to be, in my opinion, the best tool for uh, personal growth simply because it does have a very concrete um, sort of uh, view to it because it's what's literally taking place in the sky. And, um, and it's, a, it's almost like a language that you can use for what you might call as like the, the language of life, you know, all the different ways of, like you said, incorporating all these different aspects of life within us because I do believe that we have all of that. Uh, within us. So, so yeah, so one thing led to another, I started doing YouTube channels and um, people came to me for more and more horoscopes and readings. And today we've got um, an awesome YouTube channel with, you know, was it almost, I think 40,000 followers uh, with people that are into a system here that's very different from mainstream. So to me, that's super like fulfilling because it's showing that there's this new community that's being formed around this brand new form of astrology that is very, very different from um, the mainstream system. I really like to see this happening. I've actually brought this method of astrology back onto the show once before with a previous guest, Desiree Foltz, who is also a good close friend of mine that lives in the area. And that, that was the first person that ever actually did a sidereal chart for me. And I've never even had a chart read by a Western astrologer, I guess. I've always tried to just make sense of it on my own. However, all in all, it actually flowed and connected the dots in such a way that I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> I'm going to go with this from now on. So I always had this sort of dualistic, I'm in the middle in between Aries and Pisces and feeling like conflicted about the Aries path, which almost feels like society wants you to be a certain character, but your inner self is actually a different character. And anyway, shifting over just to go on full, full in immersion into the water sign as the sidereal chart puts me at it feels more right. <laughs> it feels like 
almost like trying to think that I was an Aries was putting me on a type of warrior mentality that I don't actually vibe with. And it would, and it made me feel like inadequate as a person. So anyway, there's a lot of reasons why there's depth to the sidereal system, but I wanted you to tell us about what do you see as some of the main differences between these two systems and why they matter so much? Yeah. So I still personally believe that the mainstream systems are valuable. So what we're talking about here is like what everyone would typically recognize as their sun signs. And then of course, just for those that don't know, there's also your moon sign and Venus and Mars and all these other planets are in different signs. And so this mainstream system is basically, it's not using the actual constellations in the sky. And what it's using is it's using this sort of seasonal based system. That's why always at the same time every year between this date and this date, you're an Aries or Taurus or whatever. Um, and it's consistent every year. But the truth is, is that the, the planets, so the constellations are actually changing relative to our relation to the sun. So not exactly every year do we have the rising of Aries like we would in the mainstream system, for example. It's actually now Pisces. So it's actually a full sign difference almost from the mainstream system. So that's for those that, that don't know that difference. But yeah, mainstream, it's still accurate because it's still using what you might call seasonal system. I just personally don't see it as astrology because it's not using the stars. It's, it's literally like based around the seasons and it doesn't use the actual sky. And that's, that, that can be mind-blowing. You know, and that, that was mind-blowing for me when I first discovered sidereal because I thought, oh, yeah, if, you know, if it says your sun's in Aries, then you know, that's, that's where the sun actually was at the time of your birth. But yeah, it's based on the seasons, not the actual sky. So for the reason of the seasons is that it's still using a cyclical system. And for that reason, there's consistency and it's also a pattern. And it's just like any other like modality, whether it's tarot cards or whatever, like it, it has its sort of use there. So with that being said, I think what it's showing is, is more of a physical system or would you say a physical aspect of the personality? Whereas like you were saying with the sidereal, the actual placements, to me, that's more on the soul level and it represents more foundational elements of our being. So both can be used and I do recommend it, you know, um, just to kind of, especially if anyone's already used to the mainstream system to see the contrast and difference so that they can see it, you know, for themselves. But I do think that the true sidereal system, the actual constellations is the most foundational um, element. And, um, you know, if you did just look at that, which is all I really look at in my work, if you did only look at that, I think you are seeing the whole picture that you need to see in terms of particularly spiritual growth and spiritual development. It is very interesting to get the actual length of the constellations on the chart and look at how that plays out because it, I think it makes sense. It relates almost maybe back to the fact that these are represented by animals a lot of the time or, and that animals have different levels of size and, and mag magnitude in the world around us. So, I mean, there's a, there's an interesting link right there, but there's a 13th sign in this uh, uh, system that I would love for you to touch on for those that may, a lot of us have probably heard the rumors of the 13th sign, but maybe we haven't done the research. Uh, fill us in a little bit. Yeah. So the so-called 13th sign is a fucus and uh, it is a constellation that's not used in the mainstream system. And the reason is, is because if we think about when the mainstream system was created, um, it was basically during the Babylonian, or you could argue the pre-Babylonian sort of time periods where they were really trying to make astrology into a calendar 
or a clock, basically like a timekeeping type of system. And then that's why they simplified it. It isn't why it's the tropical placements, but they did simplify everything to be exactly 30 degrees. Uh, whereas like you said, if you look up at the sky, some of these constellations are much larger and smaller than each other. So the true sidereal is taking that into account, whereas the uh, mainstream system we're used to is just trying to simplify everything into an even number, 30 degrees for every sign, 12 signs exactly. 12 is a, is a good number to divide by four, and you know it's a very divisible kind of number. But there's actually 13, and that symbolism is very symbolic, you know, 13, you know, uh, in terms of ancient times, meaning transformation and coming out of that 12 sort of cycle. But anyways, it does deal with transformation. But um, the reason it was lumped in is for that. And also because basically, if you look at the constellation of Scorpio, it's taking up this whole bottom part of the ecliptic. And then a fucus, this 13th sign is taking up the whole top part of that same part of the sky. So when a planet's passing through the ecliptic, um, you know, it's technically going through Scorpio, you could say at the same time as passing through a fucus, although both constellations are sharing different parts of the ecliptic. So Scorpio wraps from the bottom and comes up from the beginning. And then a fucus is from the top kind of wrapping down to the bottom. And then they both cross and they, they're both pretty much 50% in terms of the amount of space they take on the ecliptic. So in mainstream, it just got lumped into Scorpio. And so everyone who has like Scorpio, like knows what Scorpio is it's about transformation, depth, um, empowerment, self-empowerment, breaking cycles, uh, exposing hidden things and whatnot. And a fucus is very much about that too. But you could say it's one step further because, again, it comes after Scorpio technically looking at the ecliptic. And the reason it's the same is because they do share that same part of the sky. Um, but where it's different is that it's kind of an octave above, which is essentially healing. So the constellation is a person holding a serpent. And again, if we look at ancient civilizations, we can see that the serpent has always been a symbolic representation of healing and transformation and all this same kind of stuff that Scorpio is about, but specifically evolving it. So uh, the acceptance, you could say, of the deeper aspects of life. So with a fucus, it's taking it essentially one step further where it's accepting all of these deeper aspects of the human experience that then leads to the healing. So it's kind of that typical um, thing we hear like in psychology, for example, it's like you first have to become aware that there's something that you're healing and then you have to accept it, you know, for, for it being a sort of aspect of yourself. And it's not until you really have that acceptance, can you really heal or transform it? So a fugus is very much about the acceptance of it, which then leads to the transformation and the empowerment. So you can see in the description that's very similar to Scorpio. And that's, you know, a big reason why it was lumped in with Scorpio. And in fact, if you only read it as Scorpio energy, it would still be accurate. I just think it's missing that healing component and that extra step that I think a fucus is really about. I thank you for explaining that because actually it unlocked a whole level of correlation in my mind just now that I think is pretty interesting. First of all, a lot of the Scorpio traits, whenever it's just Scorpio, are said to be like very guarded and protective. And I think that that element of ourself in our personal transformation cycle, that's in all of us that we don't want to actually recognize the vulnerability because we're trying so hard to be armored. And it's just like, I don't want to know about that. But the other interesting thing about Scorpio is that it used to be symbolized by the eagle. And 
whenever we're looking at our chakra system, our upper system and our lower system in the occult, it's often compared to the serpent and a bird. And like the higher consciousness is the bird-like because it flies in the sky and then the snake crawls on the ground. And this has a lot to do with the the duality conflict in the entire reality is sort of historically gone between like the nations representing themselves as the, the bird and then the matriarchs representing themselves by the serpent in a lot of cases. So whenever we bring back this sign of the serpent into this position of the transformation and we're putting it in a pretty balanced position with the serpent or with the bird, which is what we're going to call Scorpio for this metaphor. It actually is a very healing thing just in and of itself. It's like, it just blew my mind to realize that because I've been thinking about the whole bird and snake and like bringing the upper and lower energies into balance in the middle of the self, which is basically the whole life game. So <laughs> getting that out of duality conflict. So I, I just never thought about that before. So it, it blew my mind as you're speaking. Yeah, that that's actually awesome. I never thought of that either, but that's exactly how I view life too, is a sort of balance of the polarities. Um, and in this case, the expansive top versus the bottom. Yeah. And um, Scorpio is very much about that. It's, it's very much starting with the um, you know, working, like it starts with just becoming aware of the deeper aspects of the human experience, which is the awareness. It's the ego. It's that upper chakra stuff. Um, the awareness of it, but then the afucus grounds, it works with it, makes it into something. And then you could totally say in the middle, there is that unifying sort of energy. Yeah. It's interesting because like Western nations are the ones that have typically identified as the Eagle. And then they kicked the serpent out of the Zodiac. <laughs> so it's interesting. Right. That's like, just been this constant conflict. You can find so many Eagles on everything all the way back to ancient Egypt as one of their main symbols. But Egypt was more into the balance because they also had their whole Typhon thing. But what I wanted to ask about you about next is like on this vibe of we're more complex than just a sun sign and that we have all these attributes in us. Can you expand on, on that notion a little bit as, as you understand it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so everyone's familiar with their sun sign, but it's not like even the whole aspect of the self, because a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll identify so much with the sun sign and think that that's kind of like the the, the complete picture of like our, our being and our consciousness. But it's really like you could say just a half of it, because equally as important to that is your moon sign, in my opinion. So, if we think of what the, so the sun and moon, they're the largest luminaries, you know, in the sky. And those are the fundamental aspects of the personality in astrology, you could say. Whereas the sun, with the sun, like you said, in Western society, it always places prominence on sun energy, fire energy, consciousness energy. And that's certainly what the sun is showing. But for example, the moon, this is representing more of our emotions, feelings, the unconscious realms, um, you know, the deeper aspects of the personality, which is just as important. So, yeah, for those that are new to astrology, like if you want to check out your chart, definitely look at your sun sign. Like that's important, but equally as important as your moon sign in terms of these being like the dual aspects of the self, like what we're talking about. So once you become aware of both, you then have that integration of, of the two, which is far more balanced and yeah, harmonious. So then along with that, then we look at the planets starting from the sun, which is Mercury, Venus and Mars. And these are considered the personal planets, which deal more with how we relate with others and relationships. So it's not the most fundamental, but still very useful for understanding how we sort of connect and relate and 
with Mars assert herself and that kind of thing. Then once we get further out, these are then becoming deeper and deeper aspects of the personality. You have Saturn, Jupiter, which represent a lot of how we view reality and how we manifest things with those two planets. And notice we're, we're always looking at polarities here too, right? So to continue with that, like, so Mercury is the only real neutral planet because it's orbits around the sun. It's kind of like, you know, doing its own thing. But Venus, Mars is the next set of polarities. And then Jupiter, Saturn, we're talking like masculine, feminine kind of thing or expansion, contraction, that kind of thing. And then the next set is Neptune and Uranus, which are very, very deep. You could say unconscious aspects of the personality, which again, have that polarity. So you can see a lot of personality characteristics in it, but it's more of life lessons and life experiences, which can be super helpful for like, you know, following our life path and our life journey, things like that. And then you have Pluto, which technically Pluto's a comet. Um, you know, it wasn't created during the creation of the sun like the planets were. It's pretty obvious because of its ecliptical. It's, it's very sort of off-centered kind of orbit there that uh, with its inclination that it's not really a planet. It's more of a comet that got trapped within the orbit of the sun. So that's important because it's not actually a planet, but it does show where we can transform and change and you know, really see things in a new way and, and, and outside of our normal way of looking at things. So those are the, the planets in the sort of order of going deeper and deeper into the psyche, um, starting with the most important sun and moon, but then, you know, going further and further in into that, which you could say is the unconscious mind that as we become more conscious of, again, we can integrate those parts of ourselves, which can be super, super helpful. It's interesting to, to see Pluto as not exactly the same as everything else, not a real planet, so to speak. In a way, it almost mirrors the androgen nature of Mercury, but on the other end of the spectrum, whereas in like extremism of duality, because it goes so far out. <laughs> but but like like negativity that is associated with evil when it well, once we no longer associate negativity itself as evil and just realize that sort of the the illusions that disrupt the free flowing perpetual synchronicity of life are the things that we would want to consider evil, not just like the, the perfect blackness that is the soil or the backdrop of space that the stars are coming out of. So when we realize that, that the actual sort of scary boss of the underworld type of guy that Pluto can represent isn't even actually real beyond that we've decided it's real. I feel like that's symbolized in the notion that society has only recently discovered Pluto in the first place and then decided it wasn't a planet even more recently. <laughs> I feel like it's a it's us coming to terms with like the nature that we're not actually here to just die and not exist anymore, but that we're in this cycle of continual growth. And like when we look at the North and South node, I th that is evidence, right, of, of where we've come from and where we might be heading towards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, right. So all, all these things that are not actually planets, they're almost like you could say transformative elements of life that are helping us evolve into new states of consciousness. So with Pluto, yeah, it's like passing through the underworld in the sense that it's the farthest sort of gatekeeper, you could say, in between us and whatever the next level of transformation is. Um, and, and in astrology, it's showing where you're continuously transforming and changing and, and shedding of all of these concepts and old beliefs and old concepts and ego and like ego identification stuff that then leads to a fresher, more revived, you know, aspect of yourself, which is seen by the planets. And then the nodes, which for those that don't know, so we have the North and South nodes, which are basically not even bodies in the sky. They're just the intersecting paths of the sun and moon. 
So the ecliptic and then the moon's path. And so where those cross in the sky, which is an invisible thing, it's just a theoretical point. Uh, that's the North and South nodes, but note that that's also where the eclipses take place, right? So every time we have an eclipse, it's like a new or full moon next to one of these nodes, these, these intersecting paths. Um, and so that's what it shows is it shows a very karmic kind of energy. Um, the South node represents our past life. It's definitely showing like where we're coming from and what kind of karma you could say we're resolving or letting go of and releasing. And then the North node is the new karma we're building, but in the sense of what are we challenging ourselves towards um, learning about growing towards making mistakes with so that we can feed all of that back into our sort of past and, and, you know, find that again, balance because with the nodes, what typically happens is we have this strong inclination to go into the comfortable past, but to get outside of our comfort zone is to go into the new different, you know, transformative stuff that we'll find is exactly what we need to bring more balance back to our past, to our comfort zones and to really who we are on that like soul level, like where we're coming from. So again, transformation. And every time we have an eclipse too, it's always a renewal transformation of self um, with those nodal placements. Yeah. This is really interesting topic to me as one of the things that I'm most, I find most fascinating about the whole Zodiac is that you have this sort of direction laid out for you with the nodes of what would be most helpful for you to work on balancing. When you go look at it in your past, you'll even see like, wow, I've always been in this oscillation between these two nodes <laughs> for it's just been on my mind. And it's just like, I thought that's just who I was or, and it is, but it's just wild that it's reflected like that. But to get more clarity on it, because I'm wondering about this, whether you're supposed to run away from the South node completely and only go North. And I, I think you already sort of answered it with balance, but just to use an example that I think anyone could relate to, if your South node per se, per se was telling you that you come from a place of comfort in relationships, but then your North node would therefore be in the opposite house telling you, you are needing to grow in independence. Would, that doesn't necessarily mean get out of all forms of relationship, right? It's about being able to be in that past comfort while still uh, progressing in the next evolution of self. Am I right? Yeah, totally right. Exactly. Um, and that's another big misconception in the Western world. If you do go online and read a lot of Western interpretations of the North Node, um, the vast majority of them will read the North Node as if it was something that you're supposed to move away from the South Node and go towards the North Node. And again, I think that's just the bias of the more sun consciousness energy because that's what the North Node represents. Uh, but yes, it's it seems to be more of a balanced thing where... The thing is, like in this example, like the person is always going to be rooted in relationships. Like that's always going to be the most important part of their life. It's a soul mission. It's like what feeds their soul. It's like super important on that deepest level. The thing though is, is that if they go all into that, if, if they try to make their south node into the north node, let's say, or into sun energy and go, because that'll be the, the default is, to, is to, to pursue it because that's what's comfortable. So if the person was to pursue and say, okay, I'm trying to derive something from relationships, trying to get something out of it or for this fulfillment, right? And seek it out. Yes. Then there's going to be karmic cycles repeating. There's going to be, you know, probably some intense transformations and things and lessons the person's going to have to know. They're, they're going to have to learn that it's going to force them into releasing these attachments, right? But on the contrary, if you look at it as, okay, I'm rooted in relationships. I recognize that like this is something that's important to me on a soul level, but I have to practice non-attachment to them. I have to realize that when I'm non-attached to relationships, the area starts to flow, 
Okay. So I've accepted the fact that it's a releasing energy. It's still important to me. You can pursue things in life, but also have non-attachment to them, right? And allow it to just be. It's almost like, you know, um, it's just an unconscious, more of an unconscious process. So once you allow the unconscious, you could say to to take the South Node role, which can be scary to do, right? Because that's, again, such an important area with the South Node. But if you allow the unconscious to just assume that role, and then yes, allow your conscious mind to start learning the opposite energy. So in this case, like you said, independence um, and focusing on like development of self and pursuing one's needs and really building the relationship with themselves, the person will find that that's exactly what their relationship, their relationships in general need is more of that instead of pursuing, pleasing others or seeking something out in relationships. Instead, the opposite is to cultivate their needs and assert themselves and express their needs and be direct and be assertive that's exactly what their relationships will need. So you can see how it feeds back into the South Node in the sense that if the person went all into just independence, if they said, screw relationships, I'm just going to be on my own, do my own thing, that's going to be very unfulfilling for the person because they've completely neglected their roots, their South Node. But if they think of it as, okay, I'm rooted in relationships, but I can explore independence and that's what my relationships need is more of me being independent, then that's circulating the energy. It's almost like flowing the energy versus stagnating it by going to one extreme to the other, which don't get me wrong is what we all naturally do with the nodes. That's the natural default for us is to to swing the pendulum between the two. But as we kind of become aware of our unique path in that sense, it helps us find that more balanced centered approach to it. And it's huge. Like you said, like of all the planets, as we call them in the, in, in astrology, the North and South nodes are probably the most like important to have balance or the theme is just centered so much around balance because there's two of them. They're always opposite each other in the chart. Man, I'm so glad to have you here. That was just like an incredible connecting of the dots, literally (laughs) between something that in my interpretation of astrology, personally, I was kind of like, I only just came to this realization with you, I guess that it's not that you run away from the South node. I definitely did get that. And for sure, the, so, it makes sense that the solar consciousness area, the North node should be just what you keep your mind on and you let the South node stuff flow on its own automatically. That's kind of also like just allowing, it doesn't matter if it's a personal relationship or your relationship with the world or, or however your North and South node are set up. If you're letting, if you're letting the stuff that you know that you're good at already, just take care of itself. It does actually line up and you'll be in the right place at the right time and you'll have what the other needs and they'll have what you need. And it's just magic like that. But if you're not putting your conscious mind towards developing and strengthening the ways that you're disconnecting from others through bad consciousness or bad consciousness, imbalance in consciousness, which would mean focusing on stuff that's not relevant. So the next thing you know, you stub your toe instead of being in the moment. <laughs> like it's just, it's just brilliant. And I, I loved how you explained it, and I'm glad that we captured that. I, I want to ask about how to interpret the strong and weak planets in our charts, because we're kind of on the same. We, we can go explore some of the more other dualistic pairs of oscillation besides the North and South node and how, how those play into a weak and strong. Like how, how do we understand that? Yeah. So, so that's also how I see it too. Like all of the planets 
are basically an opportunity to bring them back into balance. Um, so every sign, let's say Aries, Taurus, whatever it is, like they all have their imbalanced attributes and they all have their balanced attributes. And, and that's another thing too. Like when we hear a lot of interpretations, sometimes depending on who's writing the information, they may focus on a lot of the negative traits of a sign or they may focus on only the positive traits of the sign. But, you know, in actuality, you know, like, you know, like we've been saying, there's this more integrated aspect to life that there's all these, you know, what I, what I see it as, is that there's, as a human there, the, the natural tendency like nature in and of itself with the planets is towards imbalance. And what I mean by that is that if we don't incorporate consciousness, if we don't incorporate presence, awareness, the natural tendency will be towards imbalance with, with, with our personality, let's say. So you could think of it as like, let's say like sun and Aries, for example, like the natural tendency might be towards like, I don't know, arrogance or like heated arguments or being very selfish or something like that. But as we become more conscious of the energy and work within healthy ways, then it transforms into independence, assertiveness, directness, things that are these super important qualities of self and of life. Now, when we deal with, when we, so when we talk about strong and weak planets, we're basically saying, okay, is this planet in a comfortable place or is it in a more uncomfortable place? Like the sun, for example, is like, it's very strong in Aries, but might be more challenging in like another sign, like, uh, like cancer or something like this. So that's where the, you know, tendency might be more towards balance or more towards imbalance. So looking at how your planets are placed is going to give you an indication of whether it's going to be easier to bring into balance or not. Um, but it's still, everyone has that unique con like everyone has this unique gift in their chart. So even like a sun in Libra, which is considered to be the hardest placement for the sun to be in debilitation as it's called, even for that, there is only, you know, like the sun in Libra has this unique expression that no other constellation with the sun can ever manifest. So it has this very unique gift, you could say, that is being unlocked with that. It might be more harder to do. So Libra, for example, is about focusing on others' needs and balance and harmony, which is energy that the sun's not very comfortable with as a planet, as that aspect of ourself. Sun energy is, let me just express, let me just have passion, let me focus. It's harsh. It's just, it is what it is. But Libra is a very considerate sign. It's very much about what's going to create harmony, what's balanced, what's fair, what's just, what's mutual. But you can see that with someone who intentionally incorporates this with consciousness, yeah, that's like, you know, a huge gift, obviously. Libra energy is that integral part of like relationships and justice and law and, and so many things that are so important to life that only let's say a son in Libra can really manifest and really express. Um, so when it comes to your chart, yeah, it's saying, okay, where's my tendency? Where am I challenged? Um, there's also aspects too, like how are these planets configured? Are they harshly connected to each other? Are they more easier connected? And so by, by seeing if a planet's stronger or weaker in your chart, that really helps us with, okay, this is my weakness. And this is where I can grow with my weakness, you know, develop it into stronger qualities. And then these are my strengths that I can also strengthen as well, but may become maybe a little bit easier to manifest. And so huge, right? I mean, if we look at like psychology or personality tests and all the stuff that helps us become more aware of our strengths and weaknesses and then how to develop that. Yeah. Looking at your planetary strengths is like pretty much that it's like, okay, here's my tendency towards imbalance and here's what I can do to bring that energy more into balance, more integrated, more stronger. This is great because when you get into this self-analysis, 
the first thing that anyone that's really self-aware will be doing is being like, this is my biggest flaw. I am basically a piece of shit. <laughs> and they will hate, hate on themselves for a while because of this. And what they won't be noticing while they're having this insurmountable battle with what they consider to be their biggest flaw is that they actually have a bunch of smaller flaws that make up the big flaw. And that essentially when you can look and break down some of these weaknesses just on the as above, so below blueprint like this, you might see some of the things to work on that you weren't even aware of that would actually be really easy for you to integrate. And just like when you're making healthy changes with like the diet or something, doing the, or with exercise, doing the easy changes first, then makes the harder changes easier. And you can get on this progression and get that updraft. So I think it's a really good opportunity for someone looking at their chart to do that exact thing where they go, okay, this, I know I have a problem with, and I don't even know where to start with that. But this over here, well, I do guess I realize I, I interrupt people a lot in, in the conversation or I try to take charge or whatever. This is me personally. <laughs> so I, I, do you have any other advice for up and coming astrologers out there? Um, yeah. So, I mean, anyone who's interested in studying astrology, Astrology. I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's tons of good material out there. I, I recommend, um, you know, reading books, um, and starting there just in terms of your wanting to learn about it and explore it. Um, uh, some re really good authors out there is like Stephen Arroyo. Um, we have like Bernadette Brady. She's like really good. So, um, what we can do too, is I can give you like a list of some recommended readings, but Start there, see what's, um, you know, intriguing to you, follow your kind of inner guidance in terms of where you're led with the reading and stuff. But of, of course, like if you really do want to, um, you know, get into the actual, like become an astrologer kind of thing, there, there's, there's fast tracks, which is basically like doing courses and, and things like that. So obviously working with an astrologer one-on-one uh, -on -one would be the fastest, surest way of like getting to that point. But as an entry thing, I would just say first start by just reading books, see what interests you, read your own chart and um, learn about it that way and see if there's actually that, that interest that keeps going that may lead to, you know, um, further, further development of it. But really at the end of the day, like even just a little bit of interest, like, <clears throat> Oh, what's the sun? What's the moon? Like, or, you know, what does it mean when this, then just looking at your chart and only analyzing your chart and looking up the stuff on the internet. It's so easy to do. Like you just type in sun and Aries or sun and Pisces, whatever it is. And you get like all this information you can learn and, uh, and then, you know, piecemeal it, you know, through time what that are the best way I think. It can seem like an overwhelming amount of knowledge, but when you start studying the occult sciences, if you will, it's just like any other form of knowledge. The more pieces of information you take in, the easier it is to recall other pieces of information because they link together. And it's really literally about playing connect the dots because you're going to find out that this house and this sign are also connected to this organ is connected to this color and this tone. And it's all this amazing multi-octave fractal that we're we're sitting in and it's actually easier to learn than you think because you're not learning someone's idea about how the world might work in theory you're learning about yourself from the inside out where the, you're not even learning you're uncovering or remembering it but i wanted you to tell us about some of the free resources that are found on your site too and also what one can expect from your courses. I know you didn't really pimp them out that much just now, but I, it looks like based on the, what I've seen of your videos, I would expect your courses are probably amazing. And also the free stuff that is on the site just to check out would also be really good tools like reference wise, right? Yeah. So 
like I was saying, so the first place to start, I think, is really to just look at your chart, um, see where the actual planets were. So, yeah, on the on, on my site, masteringthezodiac.com forward slash chart, um, there's a free birth chart calculator there. You just type in your information and then you'll get uh, your chart. You can just right click it and save it as a file and then you'll always have it. So, so that's my number one place to start, see where these planets actually were, especially if you're already kind of intrigued into astrology, and especially if you've already been using mainstream astrology a little bit and see the contrast between this. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's mind blowing. And, and, you know, I do get a lot of feedback in terms of people saying, wow, this is so much more accurate. Like, you know, like what you're saying too, about these actual placements being more true to the personality you could say. So yeah, start with that and look up those signs. And then if you want to take it a step further, uh, there's readings. So there's birth chart readings that I do and then also courses. Yeah. So there's um, a self-paced course, which is videos, uh, eight video series. You can go and learn pretty much everything. Uh, in terms of birth chart analysis. And then also what we haven't gotten into either, which is the predictive um, analysis, which is saying, okay, yeah, we have this blueprint, which was the placement of all the planets at the time of our birth, but what's going on now in the sky and how are these things in the sky going on now affecting that chart? Uh, so that's getting into predictive astrology and that's where, you know, astrologers might predict like, if, you know, and I don't believe that anything in the future is predetermined. Um, but I do believe that there are themes and cycles and certain experiences generally that we'll have. And so the astrology is showing, okay, maybe this time period coming up is going to be emphasizing career in this particular way or relationships or whatever it is. And then that helps us integrate that energy for the time. And it's also, like you said too, it's like, it's also using momentum because when you start to do personal growth in a way that is in alignment with the transits, with the predictive astrology for that time period. Uh, that's really using that like momentum and that strength of that time period that is already teaching us those lessons that as we intentionally learn, it just, again, strengthens. So, so anyways, yeah, the course has both the birth chart analysis and the um, predictive analysis, which is pretty much the full spectrum there with the astrology. And then for those that want to go deeper then yeah, there's a course I offer too. That's one-on-one, um, eight Skype sessions for an hour going into detail of, um, of learning astrology. I really love the PDF guides that you have up there. It's just such a good quick reference. Yeah. So the, the PDF, so that was the other thing I didn't mention. So on the chart calculator, there's this uh, chart key you can look up because it's going to be just a bunch of symbols and stuff. So on that forward slash chart, mastering the Zodiac forward slash chart, um, there is this link that shows specifically what all the symbols are. And then you can just match those symbols to these PDFs that I have, which will give you the exact, well, my personal interpretation of what it means to have this planet in this particular sign. So like I was saying, Googling it is great, but if you want to start there, there's already these like, uh, PDFs that are describing what a house means, what the planet means, and you're just matching the symbols, um, from your chart there. So that's a pretty easy way of, um, of starting that. I have a quick question for you. What organ is the Mars energy so associated with or, or chakra center? Would that be like sacral? It goes in the order of the planets, right? So you have, like you're saying, the roots. So that's like Saturn energy, like the dense energy. Then you have Jupiter. Jupiter is the sacral. Mars is the, the solar plexus. Okay? Oh, okay. So that's the assertive. That's the direct. That's the independent part of the chakra system, which is Mars. Well, what I asked this about is just because I was checking out your a uh, weekend forecast and Thursday forecast from this week. And I know whenever this releases, it'll be a little later, but just as a cool example of the predictive thing with the astrology or descriptive thing, you could say 
is that there was a Chiron in Mars thing going on, if I'm correct. And that that would represent getting to, into a healing mode on that energy center and on the directness and assertiveness. And not only did I do like some personal healing through a cleanse that I'm just wrapping up now, but I initiated right before Chiron got there and it passed through there. <laughs> then my personal life experience has been very much reflecting to me the necessity in all of my dealings, um, business, friendship, personal, in every way to take that assertiveness for, which is it has to do with my North Node placement. So anyway, the reason I bring this up is just that if you're in the know of like flowing through the healthy changes that your body is giving you indicators for, you'll probably notice that the you don't even always have to go and predict when the best time is to do a certain thing for yourself because it'll just end up lining up like that, that you, as if you planned it, because in a way you did. Right. That's like so huge with astrology. Like before I got into astrology, I was very much always trying to force things and always felt like, and especially in the Western world, like we're, we're very much like raised thinking that we have to initiate and assert and like really control things and force things to happen. Um, but one, once you start to see the cycles, like you're saying with the predictive astrology, which is what, what are these planets doing in the sky right now? Yeah, it, it totally just gives you more of a in tune, like a more in tune nature to nature and to the flow of life, and that certain time periods benefit certain things. Sometimes it's good to just rest, meditate, be receptive. I mean, that can be super hard for a lot of us, but like when you start to you know move into those cycles and the flow of those cycles, then once it gets into active Aries time or whatever the time is, you just notice you have that much more energy because you did the resting of like Pisces or, you know, you've been going through the cycle, which is like, it's like compounding the energy because you're moving with the current versus trying to force, you know, the current or the seasons or the time period that you're in. But yeah, talking on that, like Mars thing too, like with the solar plexus in that sense, um, yeah, they all align with the chakras. So you, you, you can often see like, for those that are like working with chakras and stuff, when there's a certain aspect between like Mars and some other planet, let's say the sun, which represents like uh, the crown, those are the areas that are getting activated. And so you can use those energies at those certain time periods based on whatever those aspects are and even do healing and stuff regarding them. So that's again, another way of working with the flow of certain time periods and of energy, which just again, compounds the fact of it. So really the role of balance in our daily lives and interpreting the stars, it's always just coming back to that, which makes sense in a way because the sun is a lot like a representative of or symbol, symbol of the soul in the reality. It's sort of the source, right? At least for our localized cluster. And the mercury energy is basically androgen because it's always so close to the sun that it's always hot or it's always light. And it's not got sort of the Plutonian illusion of separateness and far awayness going on. And that's, I think that's why, that's why the Mercurian energy is always seen as like the healer with the caduceus rod of, you know, waving it and instantly healing anything through balance. And it's, and it's amazing how many symbols in the reality actually correlate to this. Like I, I just use some oxygenated like gel on, it's just like oxygen basically put into a, a type of lotion and had a sunburn and slathered that on and it like basically healed it overnight. And the word oxy is like O, which could be like the source and then X and Y, which is like the mas masculine and feminine. And so everywhere you look, you, you see all these like clues like, hey, what's going to heal you is balance. Balance is the key. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like attuning back to nature and back to the cycles of things and, and what these like cycles and stuff that I think, especially in the Western world, we've kind of <clears throat> removed ourselves from, you know, went into that extreme sun energy, uh, which brings up like kind of another point of something that is more theological in a sense, but I don't know if you're familiar with Rudolf Steiner's work. Um, and he talked a lot about like this polarity, right? So we're used to like the masculine feminine polarity, but there's also, that's, that's what I like to think of as more on the um, sort of horizontal plane, like left, right, masculine, feminine. There's also this like vertical uh, opposition, which is the expansion of like you were saying, the, the, the crown and the higher consciousness, which is sun energy. And then the lower, which is like the, you know, more receptive kind of energy and grounded energy and stuff. And, um, you know, that's essentially like what I think life is about is like finding that balance. And what astrology is showing is it's identifying like, okay, this is an expansion energy and this is a contraction energy. And, and how can we work with both to really incorporate the fullest potential of this time period? So it's not just expansion. It's not just contraction. But like in the West, yeah, it's like we've, we've identified with what Rudolf calls the Luciferic energy, the sun energy, which is constantly expanding, you know, just constantly expanding. And there's just not being enough contraction and connection to earth and root energy and grounded energy that, um, yeah, that I think is missing. But, and not just Western. I mean, the whole globe is becoming more Westernized, you know? So it's kind of affecting like every, everywhere in the whole world right now, becoming very much Luciferic conscious type of energy. So yeah, I think that's what's missing. And I think that's what astrology does so well is it's like you said, it's like, we're not controlling anything. We're not the ones deciding that Aries means this. And we're not the ones that are deciding that the sun is going to be in Aries at this time. This is just nature um, talking. And, um, and, and we kind of, we can humble ourselves to that and be more receptive to that versus always trying to be active and control things. And then that, you know, gets us off that track and disconnects us from nature and, um, and can even burn us out. Because again, like there's just so much like reassurance and flow that just happens when we're more in tune to the natural cycles of life in general. Yeah. You find the places where they are all about that Yahweh entity, that's this fire and thunder God, they turn those places end up being deserts or the people already lived in a desert and it's all this fire. Where's the water? (laughs) There's the great Qigong master guy called Dynamo Jack that you can find some like documentaries on who seem to be able to do stuff like set paper on fire with just the energy coming out of his palms and amazing Qigong healing practices. And he specifically would say, that how he does what he does is he brings the energy from above and forces it to meet the energy from below and basically smashes them together internally. And how that actually feels for a person as an internal process, well, no one can teach you that. (laughs) You have to be on, that's your path. Like that's what all the external games are even about is teaching us that in different ways so that when we see that it needs to be done, we can do it in a a way. It's kind of like that that imbalances what constricts the flow and just like a battery, the positive and negative together is what generates the charge. So whenever there's a constriction on the tree of life, what we do as human gardeners, we go cut the vines off and we, we deal with that. And I think that's a lot to do with our role in the cosmos, (laughs) but I'm, I'm curious, what's your take on why we oscillate between this inner world of thoughts and, and these dreams and then wake up to the outer reality each day, as opposed to just being in a full on independent master of our own inner state all the time. 
like what do we do this whole shared multiplayer game called life for <laughs> right yeah well, that's the question right <laughs> and of course i don't know the answer to that but uh, i can kind of point to it in terms of what i believe uh with words so yeah i mean uh, I, I mean first of all i think the this reality is obviously only one of many um it's just a dimension it's the third dimension it deals with polarity because that's 2d we're we're actually viewing everything and perceiving everything in two dimensions even though we're living in a third dimensional reality as human beings we're perceiving it in 2d that's even our vision even though it seems like it's 3d it's still like a screen like the and you can only see 180 degrees of anything so that's half the circle so that's two as well yeah exactly and so that's like the vision but it's also how we think about things again polarity up down left right like all this kind of stuff um so so from that kind of context like the universe, like the reality we live in this kind of three-dimensional reality, it operates in two-dimensional rules, I believe. Um, and that's like balance. And, and so it's a self-regulating universe uh, dimension in the sense that the left balances the right. And so it's self-regulating so that it doesn't have like, you know, to us, at least that's how we see it. It's like it, once you move the seesaw in this direction, the universe is naturally going to move the seesaw back into the, this direction to, to bring balance back because it's self-regulating. So, so that's what I think we should do. Like as human beings, like I think, you know, we're here to grow, we're here to develop spiritually, physically, like, you know, in all areas. Um, but to do that, I think aligning to the balance and, and, and working with the balance and even incorporating balance is, is, is self-regulating. It's, um, it's, it's aligning us to what is already taking place versus moving the seesaw so far to one extreme that then life has to force the seesaw back. And then that causes imbalance, recklessness, challenges, intensity, you know, things like that. So that's what I believe, like from the third dimensional perspective. That's empowering to just look at it like the university, the universe university. And it's, definitely that middle still point in the seesaw that is what lets us transcend duality paying attention to that in ourself is like the still silent voice within of intuition in a sense and then uh, so i'm i'm going to guess the answer to this is yes but can you talk on if intuition plays a big role in how you interpret charts is that also something you balance with like the by the book explanation Yes, yeah, somewhat though, um, because like I don't like when I do astrology, I don't like to impose my own self into it. I want to be as objective about it as possible. But of course, like astrology is, a, I believe it's a science, but it is also an art. Like you know, like we're saying, like predictive astrology is only showing a general theme, and and also like um, your personality, it's only showing a potential like a sun in Pisces is showing these potentials, right? And so free will is really incorporated. So, so really my job is mostly focused on instead of predicting and, and using intuition to make predictions or assessments, um, I just try to give the power to the individual and say, okay, here's what you're working with, I think. Here's the imbalance. Here's the energy. And from there, you know, take, take over, find that what's balanced for you. Hopefully some of the stuff I talk about in the reading is going to give you the perspective. It's really just confirmation, really. Like my job as an astrologer isn't to really tell anything to anyone they don't already know to be true about themselves or about their life. Um, as much as it's just to confirm it, because a lot of times, like we're talking about, like the minds and emotions and all this can really convolute that intuition for ourselves. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is that 
in that context, I try to help the individual connect to their intuition and I help to confirm their own intuition. So when they hear something in the reading and it clicks, then they're like, okay, I can trust that more, which is their intuition telling them something on again, on that soul, on that soul level. And of course, your own intuition led you to intuit to do it that way. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, it's so. definitely still a factor. That's yeah. cool, though. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your tools as far as software, because I noticed that it's called Prometheus. And how is it helpful to have a, the software? And do you see it as connected to the myth of Prometheus? So uh, Prometheus, the software was created by uh, Gavin Burns. So even though I have it on my website, this is um, developed by Gavin Burns with Capricorn Astrology Software. Um, but I, if it wasn't for Gavin to have created this software, I wouldn't even be able to do at all what I'm doing. Um, it's, it's integral to it. Like, you know, the fact that now we can actually look at the actual size of the constellations and make quick calculations using software to do it is actually a very new thing. And the main reason we haven't had true sidereal astrology up until recently, because we didn't have the computing power to do it, because imagine how hard it is to, to do astrology using even 30 degrees in this calendar system, and then add to that precession, which is the movement of the stars, add to that the uneven constellations and all these other factors that it would literally just it would be way too much to do interpretation. So thanks to the software, thanks to the technology, like now we're able to use the actual size of the constellations as seen in the visible sky, like astronomy software, basically. And um, yeah, Prometheus, um, for those interested, there's a free trial on the website, masteringthezodiac.com. If you go there, uh, click software on the top, you'll see uh, a link to Prometheus and you can just download it for free and check it out. See if you like it. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely revolutionary. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even be able to do true sidereal today, honestly. And it's, it's kind of crazy that it, it came together, like the way that Gavin had created the software. Um, I mean, he's had it for many, many years, but um, it just totally aligned, like um, the way we met and then how it came together. So I think it's, it's definitely um, synchronistic in terms of something that was needed, I think, in, in, in the true sidereal system, for sure. And like the myth of Prometheus, now it's another example of mankind getting fire from the gods, if you will. Right, right. So in that it sense, that's so much. The, I'm pretty sure, I don't want to speak for him because I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure that was his intention in terms of naming it for what it, for what it is, Prometheus, yeah. In the past, this was really limited to like the king would have a court astrologer that that was all that guy did. And he did it pretty much just for the king. And it was all this, he probably had to do so much work just to calculate that. He needed a bunch of education to get to that point. So this is a crazy, crazy, amazing time for, for the openness of information. Now, does that tie into this age of Aquarius? Have we moved into that by your calculation or are we close to a, the line? I love that question because <laughs> no, <laughs> not technically, right? Because we hear that a lot. Um, but we have moved into what is considered the 11th house. So... Let me answer the question first in the sense that we're still in the age of Pisces. So we entered the age of Pisces right around the time Christianity started to really become uh, heavily involved in the West. And so that's what Pisces is very much centered around like uh, spirituality, centeredness, giving, compassion, selflessness, things of this kind of nature. Um, and we're still very much in that energy because what 
defines the age that we're in. A lot of people don't know, but what actually defines the age, the reason why we even have the age is that during the spring equinox, whatever constellation the sun is in at the time of the spring equinox, that's what determines the age. So it's very obvious that the sun is now in Pisces and has been since then uh, and will be for a long time, for about the next at least three to 400 years, um, will be age of Pisces. And then at that point, the sun will technically be closer to Aquarius and then will really be in the age of Aquarius. So for those that, you know, are seeing a lot of the technology and stuff, I always say like, you haven't seen anything yet because like when that actual Aquarius energy comes in, which is the real collective energy of, of everyone coming together, probably not needing, you know, governments or control, like things will just be much more like autonomous, individualistic and connected and harmonious in that sense. Yeah, that's the, that's a bit down the line, but we are in the 11th house. And what I mean by that is that if you do the house system, which in this case would be 30 degrees, if you take 30 degrees from where Pisces started, you would be in what's called the 11th house because we have 30 degrees for each of the houses in, in the equal house system. And so in that calculation, the 11th house is associated with Aquarius. And it was since the industrial revolution that we entered into that 11th house. So yes and no, we're not, we're not in the age of Aquarius because the sun's not in Aquarius yet, but we are in the 11th house, which deals with a lot of the same things. So um, tech, innovation, collective energies, transformation changes, you know, progressive stuff uh, really will be the theme moving forward for the next many, many hundreds of years um, with that. I had another question about, about the Aquarian age and the 11th house, which I didn't know about this 11th house thing. So that, that's very interesting. That explains why some people are conflicting on the answer of whether or not we've entered the age, which is fun. It's always another oscillation. Is it yes? Is it no? It's both. <laughs> but what are some of the things to watch out for in ourselves to balance as we move into this or we continue into this particular 11th house energy and close out the Pisces age energy? like the downfalls of the ages and what to uh, avoid, I guess, or, or heal? Yeah. Uh, great question. So with Pisces, it is um, the, the natural imbalance there is towards avoidance, uh, escaping reality, hiding away um, illusions, disillusions, uncertainty, drugs, medications, things that really help us, things that disconnect us from reality um, is the natural imbalance. The, and this is where we saw a lot of problems with like religion and stuff like this during like the dark ages and stuff like that coming out of that Piscean time period. So that's the, that's the challenge with that. But to balance Pisces, it's about acceptance. It's about presence. It's about like what Eckhart Tolle would say, which is that we're entering into a new state of evolution, which is we're all hopefully <laughs> becoming more present and more aware and more centered and not as geared towards just the mind and, you know, pursuing our own goals and needs at the exclusion of like, you know, our, our spiritual self and the, and the connectedness of life that we see in the present moment. So spiritual development is essentially will be the apex of Pisces when we reach that point individually for everybody, more acceptance, more presence, these kinds of things with Aquarius being in the, or at least not the Aquarius, but the 11th house energy the natural imbalance towards that is towards, um, again, doing that stuff in a reckless sense. So um, doing tech and innovation at the exclusion of nature and at the exclusion of any cycles in our life, 
or with nature, basically. Um, and then also revolutionary energy for the sake of revolution. So in other words, like wanting to disrupt and cause chaos and destruction, all to induce change, but change without an actual purpose and without an actual like structure is the danger of Aquarius, where it just becomes chaos, basically. It's just uh, recklessness and, you know, nothing really coming together. So, Like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Right, exactly. So coming into collective energy, like how can we all unite? And this is like the internet. This is the healthy things that we're seeing now, like internet, interconnectedness. We're all syncing up. We're all sharing ideas. We all have this unique role to play in the collective. So accessing that unique role and contributing to the collective and always challenging the status quo in such a way that we're still remaining grounded to our values and our ideals is the the best way of working with Aquarius in that sense. Or with the 11th house, excuse me. I have a question I like to ask a lot of guests is about synchronicity in general, because I think from my own experience, the more that we pay attention to synchronicity, find out about synchronicity, notice it, the more that we draw in our awareness of it, which is always happening. But then once you are noticing it, it it gives you fuel because our ideas are our greatest source of energy. (laughs) So my question for you is, can you recall any interesting synchronicities that have come about in your path with astrology, possibly with yourself in your own life reflecting or with another person? I mean, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Right. So like you could even say astrology is just purely synchronicity that, I mean, I just say like every day, like seeing associations in my life that are being reflected in what the stars are showing. Right. So Mars energy, again, like seeing a synchronicity with just Mars symbolism or assertive symbolism and things like during that kind of a transit is just that confirmation of it. Um, for me personally though, yeah, like when I came to that spiritual realization at that time, which really got me into astrology, it was like the synchronicities were always leading me and letting me know that like I was on the path and that there were confirmations, uh, that I was on the path and leading me to the right place. And so every time I would see some symbolism, um, to confirm the path I was on, yeah, it was like, yeah, super reassuring, super, super reaffirming. And, and I still get it like every day. And, and again, like a, that's, like astrology itself, I think is that because then it shows you that, you know, you're, you're in alignment, I think with the cycle or the pattern of whatever's playing out in your life. And then also in the collective experience at that time. Yeah. And it's always so personal. I mean, I love to give you an example, but it's like, you can't, cause it's always such a personal thing. Numbers, you know, symbolisms, I mean, you know, things like that. Well, what's cool is that when, you, as you describe, you're basically getting into the perpetual flow of the synchronicity, then you don't actually need to log any one thing as this monumental experience that meant everything because you're just constantly in the everything is everything mode. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, man, why don't you go ahead and give us some of your plugs here? Like, uh, you know, we can close out this conversation and tell us where everyone can find you again and what you'd like to do as far as connecting with others online. And thanks for being here. This has been a very enlightening conversation. Yeah, it's been great. Seriously, Chance. Yeah. Um, So for those that, um, yeah. So again, masteringthezodiac.com is where all the resources are. Check out that chart forward slash chart. You can see it on the website. I do have a YouTube channel. So for those of you interested in horoscopes or at least just seeing what these synchronicities are on a day-to-day basis, um, you can also go to YouTube, Mastering the Zodiac. So it's youtube.com 
forward slash mastering the Zodiac or just type it into YouTube. Um, and then Facebook, I'm also on there. Uh, I post the, the, the forecasts on that. And uh, yeah, and then also on YouTube and on the website, there's tons of content. Um, again, what all the planets mean? What is Mercury? What is Mercury retrograde? Like all of the common questions are all uh, on resources there on the videos link on the website and on the YouTube channel. Um, other than that, yeah, check out your chart. If uh, you want a further interpretation of that, I do readings, um, looking at things from that, you know, obviously like more detailed look. And then courses, if, if anyone's interested in actually learning astrology, um, there's tons of uh, resources for the courses as well on the website. I'd love to see some of you starry-eyed uh, listeners go check out the courses because then you can report back to me with uh, very detailed forecasts and help me chart my course. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we need, right? Like sidereal astrology, like I said, it's growing, um, but we need more astrologers out there actually using this system because... Yeah, it's a tool and, and more people using this tool just makes everyone's lives that much better. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And then and to join the community, too, on YouTube, like seeing the forecast, being a part of the community on Facebook and stuff like that. Also a great way of connecting. Yeah. Knowing's half the battle. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, it feels like whenever you get into this, you notice that the way the energy flows and the pattern is like a song you've heard before, but that when it comes on next, you're going to make up new words. So it's like, you know, what's coming, but you don't know exactly what's coming. And it's been really fun to have this conversation. I definitely knew what was coming, but not exactly what was coming and exceeding expectations for sure. My man, thanks for being with us. Everyone check the show notes for the links that Athen just mentioned and definitely go show him some love on the internet, like follow, subscribe, share his stuff, even sign up for his course if you feel called. And thanks again, man. This has been awesome. Thank you, Chance. It's been great. Thank you. Booyah Kesha, my friends. We've completed another amazing podcast. And I really do mean that. Seems like every time I complete one of these interviews, I'm like, that was the best one yet. <laughs> that was the best one ever. And maybe that's just because I feel like I'm my best self ever all the time lately. And I'm really enjoying what I'm doing here. And I hope it shows and I hope it flows through to you because this type of talk is really fun. And I actually felt that I connected some dots, at least in my own understanding of my personal chart. Hopefully my questions weren't too geared towards me specifically. But as I said in the intro, none of us are just one sign of the Zodiac. We all contain the entire deck of cards within ourselves. So questions that were pertinent to me in some context must also be pertinent to all of us, I hope. Anyway, I would have loved to have Athen stick around longer. You may have noticed as a Plus member that there was not an extension on this one, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Athen is a busy guy. He was in the middle of touring through Europe for some important reason, I'm sure, because he's a, a very sought-after and well-respected astrological academic. And it works out for me because June is like the busiest time of year for yours truly, I really like to go to music festivals. You've heard me talk about Backwoods Festival, which I just got off of. And I'm about to go over to Colorado for Sonic Bloom Festival. If you're going to be there, look for me. I've got a, you know, a selenite crystal staff that I walk around with. And 
I don't know. You can find a picture of me on the internet. And if you're curious what I look like, I want to say hi to you. I'm going to be definitely spreading the interverse gospel <laughs> evangelizing while I'm there. But for once at Sonic Bloom coming up, I'm going to be mostly a pure participant and not a workshop host or, or vending art. So I definitely can't wait to catch some of you out there in Colorado at the Hummingbird Ranch and have a great time expanding and enjoying the consciousness uplift that comes through experiencing all the art and music and yoga and workshops and teachers. It's going to be really cool. So that's why there's no plus extension this time, uh, specifically because Athen didn't have time. Yes, but also I really could, I really kind of needed the uh, the shorter editing time window so I could get this episode out to you sooner than later because it has been a little while since our last one. You'll notice the previous upload I posted was a full-on guided meditation and breath work with my good friend Abigail. And that one I had to do, highly do recommend going back and checking out if you didn't yet. Just give yourself like, you don't have to do it all at once. Just give yourself some time to sit through with it and learn some of those diaphragmatic breathing techniques and the other things that she expresses throughout it. And if you like it, let me know because I'm totally up for doing more sort of off the cuff, um, not as specifically organized as the, a full podcast type of things where we do guided visualizations, guided meditations. I love that stuff, but I want to make sure that you guys are into it being a part of this podcast feed because you can find that type of thing elsewhere as well. So let me know if you like it. We might do more guided meditations in the future. Probably will because I like it. But anyway, I want to also ask you to make sure that you go subscribe to Mastering the Zodiac Athens YouTube channel if you are at all interested in sidereal astrology that's a great place to start. A lot of the videos are under 10 minutes, especially the forecast videos. And he just does an amazing job keeping things in a concise and tight and very intellectual, but also intuitively accessible type of portrayal when it comes to expressing the stars in the sky. It's very descriptive and you could use it to be predictive if you needed to. I love it. So Big thanks for Athlon. He actually hit me up to come on the show, which is really cool. I love whenever I get the request from the guests themselves and I don't have to go seek them out because I actually didn't know about him or what he was doing. And now I'm subscribed and like that's going to be a go-to spot for me if I need a forecast is what's coming up, what's coming up in the uh, the star energy of our our lives because it's real. It's very accessible though. So I appreciate Athlon for giving us such an amazing deep dive in even a shorter time window into so many topics. Like I was extremely impressed with where we got to in our understanding about the Scorpio energy in this talk and about this whole bird and snake concept of the higher mind and the lower mind, the bird consciousness being the upper chakras, the airy thing, the Aryan and the, the serpent force or the Kundalini rising up from the ground or below and making those two things meet in the middle. That's where the real power is in our lives. Like not being polarized to just the bird or the snake or the mind or the body and realizing that those two forms of intelligence work together in tandem. That's like the major greater arcanum actually. <laughs> so any way that you can find the, the ability to balance those two forces or any forces in your life, the more fun you're going to be having. And in fact, I've been saying it a lot lately, but like, what is life other than a big type of show that we're doing for ourselves where we see how many different axes of duality we can balance in the middle at the same time, like stacking a bunch of plates on your head or something, or 
you know, those circus performers that are balancing all kinds of things on their fingertips and on their nose, you know, that's what we're really doing when it comes to life. As the great Duncan Trussell once put it, and I think I'm paraphrasing, but life is all about what cool tricks you can do while you're in midair off of the diving board into infinity. So that part where you're flying through the air and dropping into the pool, that's kind of like what life is. So do a barrel roll, (laughs) do a, I don't know, a can opener, do a flip, like do something nobody's ever done, do something you've never done at the very least. And that's what life is. You know, we're, we're seeking to express that uniqueness. And I appreciate you guys giving me the chance to express my own through this show. It's what I love doing. And even though there's no plus extension on this episode, I'll still remind you that if you want to be a supporter of Interverse and get access to a huge archive of over 60 or 70 plus episodes where there's an extension of an extra hour on the conversations, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Interverse. And me would be very grateful for any help that you can give on this podcast journey. You have no idea, those of you that are doing that, exactly how much it's meant to me. I'm really walking the line right now in a good way, but like when it comes to finances, it's just, there's always exactly enough, right? And I think a lot of us can relate to that, that we always have exactly what we need. But part of that has come from you, the audience and the community, and I appreciate it so much. Like sometimes that Patreon money is exactly the clutch thing that comes through just for what I need to do with the podcast to make the move that I need to make or the food that I need to eat or something along along those lines. So if at all you feel called to possibly support the show, get over to Patreon, one, three, five dollars a month or more, go crazy. <laughs> if you only want to do it for a month, I totally understand. Anything helps though. And I the reason I'm harping on it a little bit is because you may have noticed that unlike some of your shows that you enjoy, there's no ads here. I don't advertise anything at all other than the guests that I'm talking to and my Patreon site or certain things that I feel strongly about that are cool, in which case I do advertise them. So that's like maybe a little hypocritical because now I'm about to tell you about something in almost an advertising type form. But I want to remind you that one thing I'm doing right now is uh, Secret Energy Affiliation, which you can do as well. SecretEnergy.com is a cool website where you can get cleanse kits, you can get amazing metaphysical and healing type of supplements. And I would love to hear some of your experiences with these different things. I'm trying several of them. And the link in the show notes of where it says, buy, get support interverse with uh, secret energy power-ups. Because I see them as like power-ups in a video game. Anything that you purchase through that link is actually going to land me 9% commission. And don't think that like that's the only reason I'm telling you about it because I'm actually really into the products from there that I've been trying and they've been hugely helpful in the expansion and energy building. And that's actually the main reason why I want to tell you about it. And the other thing I'll tell you is that if you become a specialist through Secret Energy, which is totally easy to do, which is what they call it when you affiliate with them, then you can get the 9% commission and you can get a 15% discount on any of the products. And also you don't need any of that if it's not something you're feeling called to experiment with. However, I'm just giving you that info because I feel that it's important and I want to stay connected with that in a way that I can connect you to it. Like I said, the cleanse kits that I've tried from there have been the biggest expanders of my personal energy field, probably more than anything. And I love it. So thanks for hearing me out about that. And thanks for listening to the show. I've got a whole lot of content coming. I've been joking around that I'm content stipated <laughs> because I've got kind of more episodes than I can easily produce in a timely fashion 
due to the flow and the requirements of life right now. And I'm doing my best. And I appreciate the low pressure that I get from you guys. I, I feel the excitement for the upcoming episodes that you guys share with me, but I don't ever feel like, you know, there aren't any trolls in the Interverse tribe. And I really appreciate that. There's no haters. There's no like complainers. It's just, you know, as I'm saying that, I'm sure I'll manifest one or two uh, haters or complainers someday, but I love them too. So kind of hard to feel divided from that or like adversarial. And in any any tense, I'm just going to look at whatever you guys tell me as constructive criticism or just uh, reflecting positive energy to me. And I appreciate all of that. And if you do want to connect with me on that level, Instagram's a great place to talk to me. I'm fairly active there. So check out the Interverse podcast Instagram page if you want to follow. And if you're not subscribed all over the place like iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify, if you're checking out the show for the first time, great idea, at least in my opinion, to go subscribe on your favorite podcast player, whatever that may be. Interverse can be found anywhere podcasts are served from YouTube to Pod Addict to Stitcher. They're all there. So also, don't forget when you're in the show notes to go check out the link to Kermode, which is the music I'm about to play in the outro. It feels like a very appropriate song for the astrology talk because it's called Universe. And like the main lyric of the song is, you are the universe, which you are. So if you dig this Kermode music I'm about to play for you, definitely go give him a follow on SoundCloud. I love you guys. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for... Whatever's coming next, I've got a few options I have to decide. I think the next thing I'm going to publish is the Backwoods recap to tell you guys a little bit about the really intense experiences at that festival and how there was just so much spiritual growth and development for that entire tribe and community. And I know a lot of you listening actually were there. So if you came and saw me at that festival, thank you. Thank you for checking out the booth I, I was running. It was my first time playing Merchant Wizard, but now I'm already starting to feel like recapping it. So I better move on from this episode and on to the next episode, which is that recap. Save my thoughts for there. And I'll see you on the other side of a few day window. I love you all. Thanks for checking it out. All is self. Stay whole. (laughs) Keep yourself in that flow state of perpetual expansion and go easy on yourself when you feel like you're contracting a little bit. Realize it's all good. This is the never ending journey. And you've got forever. So I'll see you forever. Bye, guys. Oh,